Thank you. Keep it simple. That was time for me to uh, to qualify. Okay. I'm just going to give a five minute warning. All right, cool. Sean, compulsive over here. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for asking me to speak. I haven't, um, I didn't leave my house early enough to, to drink any coffee, so I'm a little, uh, I'm a little sleepy. My barber went out of town last week, so I feel a little bit unkept. Um, I guess uh, what I mean to say is, as I will find any reason to to feel like I shouldn't be here and in the moment, but uh, it's always a blessing to be able to show up for my recovery. So I appreciate the opportunity. Definitely a compulsive overeater. I've been on this journey for um, for six plus years, and um, I'm the sugar addict variety, hundred pounder variety, um, emotional eater variety, childhood obesity. Um, you know, I'm the type of compulsive overeater that knows where to go at four in the morning to get the donuts when they're freshly fried or whatever, however they're made. You know, that's that's me. Um, I define my abstinence by uh, the textbook definition here. I I uh, struggled defining that in the beginning, and um, and like any good millennial would do, I just finally Googled it and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, that's what came up, and, and so that's what I, I chose and I have stuck with. Um, for those that need a little bit more direct or clear, you know, cl- clarity around that, for me, I just refrain from recreational sugar. Um, and that's a blessing. I've lost a tremendous amount of weight in this program, a tremendous amount of recovery emotionally and spiritually. Um, and... Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm definitely proud of the man that I am today, the way that I get to show up in the world and in my relationships. And, um, you know, it wasn't like that when I came in. So, and it doesn't mean that it's all like ice creams and, and rainbows. <laughs> no pun intended there. <laughs> no, no pun intended there. Um, but, um, yeah, just that hopelessness, that despair, that incomprehensible demoralization. Like, uh, I'm just glad not to be in that place anymore. Um, so I guess um, what it was like, uh, what happened, what it's like now. Um, what it was like, because I feel like I was born like this. My mom tells a story about me being pretty aggressive uh, during the breastfeeding years of my life. Um, and so um, my notion of this is, is that I was born like this. Uh, I did uh, come into a, a, a lot of chaos, so I come from a family of uh, compulsive overeating, uh, disease, bulimia, crack addiction, um, alcohol abuse. Um, um, so I'm very careful about how I list my name on the podcast. It's a very unique, spelled, uniquely spelled name, and I want to be able to share open and honest. And if I put my real full name there, it's, it makes it a little bit difficult. But, yeah, every one of my family members um, has had some form of this disease. And that's just reality. It's not me taking their inventory. What you guys have taught me is that that doesn't actually matter. You know, what makes me actually a compulsive reader is when I put certain substances into my body, I get the abnormal reaction and then I get the obsession and the, and the, the self-will run riot type of thing. So... Um, I just remember around the age of 10 or so, it, my weight became an issue, and then it was like the restricting and the dieting forced by my parents kicked in. Um, 
I don't really want to focus too much on childhood stuff, but, um, you know, I'm the type of, you know, the, the, my story is, is being the, the fat kid that didn't get, that got chosen last for the game. Um, you know, some of my scariest moments were when we had to go outside and do the presidential fitness challenge and, and we were measured against our peers for how many pull-ups and sit-ups. I was the kid that couldn't do any, any pull-ups and, and couldn't do the exercises and, um, I remember they would line us all up in the uh, men's locker room and, and um, check our backs for, like, scoliosis or stuff like that. And and uh, that used to terrify me, be, you know, having to take my, my shirt off in front of my peers. And I don't know if they still do those things or not. I'm probably showing my age a little bit. Um, I'm an older millennial. I'm right on the cusp. I'm right on the cusp. Um, if I was clean shaven, I'd look like a baby in here. But... Um, uh, you know, that's the stuff I remember from the childhood. Fast forward past all of that stuff. Um, if, you, if that is your story, then you know what that looks like. I don't have to go into too much detail. But to fast forward, I lost a bunch of weight in uh, my senior year of high school. That part of my story is significant because that's when it really clicked that people would treat me differently based on the way I looked. So I got the girl. I finally fit in with the jock player type guy that I was running around with. Um, you know, so many pats on the, on the back. And... Um, you know, the root underneath all of that, the importance of that is I spent most of my adult life trying to chase that, that external validation that I got when I lost all that weight in high school. I went to school on an academic scholarship, which was a big deal from a kid for the ghetto. Um, for whatever reason, I understood that if I didn't get good grades, um, that I was going to end up back in the ghetto. And, um, and so I did well in school, you know, the, the things that we're held to you know, prestige and, and academics and all that stuff. Some of our, some, our, some of our stories is that our disease prevents us from excelling in those things. My disease is I was allowed to hide behind those things. So while people were praising me for my academics and going to school on a full academic ride and all of that stuff, I was eating and I didn't really know. And so when I was off, when it was back, uh, you know, for me in college, it was off to the races and I gained that freshman 15. I gained another 30 as a sophomore. By the time it was done, I was probably around 250, 280 pounds. Um, I remember my, my uncle had asked me how much I weighed. He was like, that's a lie. <laughs> that's why I remember that moment. But um, as I entered into adulthood and started working, um, had some material success, um, and still couldn't get the weight thing down and... and um, you know, just the whole yo-yo, that's, I think, where I went into the whole, like, trying to control it uh, effort, like, um, and they, I tried to control it and not having any success doing it, and doing these fasts, and doing these diets, and losing the weight, and then gaining more weight back. I remember I had lost all this weight at one time. I did some sort of fast, and I had lost, like, my body responds very quickly to stimulus, whether that's good or bad, or, or more or less. It responds very fast, and... Uh, and I remember I had lost like something like 30 pounds in like 20 days or something. And all of my clothes were like droopy and big. I'm, some of us have, have experienced that. And uh, I remember I went to work and somebody's like, you got to buy new clothes, man. <laughs> you got to buy new clothes. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. I was like, oh, this is great. But uh, it's a good thing I didn't buy new clothes because I had gained that weight plus some back uh, within, within another 30 days, um, unfortunately. And um, I didn't have the language to describe my behavior at that time, but you guys have sort of taught me what that language was. And so what basically happened was 
I was trying to walk around and fill that God-sized hole with all these different things, property, prestige, women, a certain number on my W-2, a certain geography. So I did all those things. I did a geographic. I went out and got the girl. I went out and got the job. And I had, um, I'm from L.A. originally. My family's from uh, inner city L.A., but I, um, I uh, moved to the suburbs of Atlanta um, as a young teenager and went to college and everything in Atlanta. And, and then I did a geographic moving back to L.A., thinking that L.A. would fix me. Um, ended up moving down to Orange County, had some, some sexy job and some nice luxury living situation and, and uh, the girl that I thought was going to fix me. And um, none of that stuff fixed me. And so with more money, I, I just dove deeper into my addictions and other stuff popped up, stuff that I couldn't afford before popped up, you know, and, and uh, we went from Wendy's and, and to, to Hillstone or Houston, you know, uh, um, so the money, the, the money didn't fix me. Um, and my life had gotten really small. My life had gotten really, really, really small. And um, a part of the story that I had told myself for moving out back west was to be around the younger children in my family, right? Um, I'm a success story in my family, and, and so to be the positive male influence, you know, in this family of missing fathers and whatever, blah, 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 grandstanding I was doing in my head. Um, and I remember I had dove so deep into my, drug, my, uh, my disease with, with drugs and alcohol and food that, you know, normal people, if that's why you moved all the way across the country, you would do something different with your behavior so that you could be closer to your family. I just chose to isolate away from my family so I could be closer to my drugs and my, and my food drug of choice, you know. And um, um, it was suggested that I get into 12-step and... I said, well, what do, what, do, what do I focus on? I have issues with spending and, and sex and, and weed and, and sugar and, and all that. And, he said, and I got on the radio with a famous doctor that had a, a, a TV show, or a radio show and a TV show and all that stuff. And he's like, it's all the same stuff. It's all the same stuff. And, um, and I said, well, I can't do it all at once. What do I focus on? He's like, well, maybe if you stop smoking the weed, then you'll stop eating and you'll lose weight. <laughs> So I went to Marijuana Anonymous to lose weight. <laughs> uh, that's a true story. Uh, I, I basically self-sabotaged everything that I had going on. What happened was I self-sabotaged everything that I had going on in my life. Um, I broke up with the girl, sent her packing in a very ungentlemanly way. Um, I did a transfer at the job, which was the equivalent of quitting the job. Um, when it was all said and done, I woke up on my grandmother's plastic-covered couch in South Central L.A. as a 30-something-year-old man. Um, and I don't know if anybody slept on a plastic-covered couch, but it's, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. You know, it sticks to your skin. You're very aware of what's happening. And, uh, you know, that was enough for me to, to – that was, like, my real, real bottom to say that, like, my, my best ideas about what – to do and how to handle life, I had a clearly gone awry and I had gone down, I had gone off the path somehow. And, and that's when I started reaching out for help and it was suggested that I, you know, get into a 12-step program and, and that's how I ended up at uh, MA for trying to lose weight. And um, I'm grateful for that. Um, that is my first program. I, you know, I sort of treat it like my AA program and, and it's, um, you know, I still have the same sponsor that I had from day one and, and um you know, it was a really, really great experience, and I'm I'm grateful because I don't know that I could have made my way to OA. MA led me to OA, and I don't know that if I could I could have done this program still getting high. I, I, that's just my story. It doesn't have to be your story. Um, but 
I got sober. I rolled into that program at about 300 pounds. I quickly started gaining more weight. Okay. Uh, when I got feelings and, and emotions, my sponsor told me to eat chocolate. Okay. He suggested that I, I eat ice cream. Okay. He suggested that I be of service, so take the snack commitment at the meeting. Well, I I was the best snack guy ever in marijuana. I would bring a whole pizza for the meeting and a pizza for myself. Um, And I I steadily, I was gaining weight. And you all know that when you start gaining weight like that, then it becomes very uncomfortable. And you get to a certain size, and you can't buy clothes anywhere. And it, it just... You know, it became that miserable scenario. And I started complaining about it in that program. My sponsor, what most sponsors do is they tell you, you know, focus on what you're doing. Don't try to fix it yourself all at once. Like, just, you know, take it easy, does it, you know, work your steps, stay focused. Kept complaining. Um, and he said, well, Rashad, you got to focus on whatever's going to kill you the quickest. Shortly after that, I went to the doctor. Uh, they now classified me as morbidly obese. They told me I was at pre-diabetic. They told me I was at risk of heart disease. They told me um, they did some sort of blood work and they could, they could tell that I was uh, struggling with sleep apnea because I was so bad that they could see the um, a, a, a deformity in my blood cells. That's how they figured it out um, through blood work, which is has to be kind of crazy if you're so oxygen deprived that they can actually find it in your blood. Or maybe that's I'm not a medical professional. Maybe that's easy to figure it out. I don't know. It seemed like a big deal for me. Now, ironically, I have been diagnosed with prediabetes in the past. And that didn't change my behaviors. Just I, I remember I used to smoke cigarettes, and I was like, if I ever cough up blood, then I won't. Then I'll stop smoking cigarettes, and that didn't stop me. Um, luckily, that part of my issues fell away um, sometime, but uh, over time. But um, what happened in terms of my OA story is that it became very clear to me that I was killing myself with food, and I I, I couldn't afford to sit around in M.A. eating my way through the steps. I had to do something immediately. And, you know, they, they were like, all right, well, go. Go do what you got to do. And I, and I ended up working both programs congruently. But I found my way to OA. I, um, I sat around for about six months. I used to go to the meeting uh, uh, in Beverly Hills or wherever that is in, on Sundays, the big one, Serenity Sunday. I used to love it because there's that bagel shop that was like on the way from where I live. Like go to the bagel shop before or after the meeting. Um, but I sat around for about six months, um, listening, hearing enough to know that I was in the right rooms. But um, you guys told me to find what I was looking for, where I was looking for a black man, hundred pounder that looked like The Rock. Okay. That's, what, that's what I wanted, <laughs> and I didn't see that person. <laughs> um, and uh, I went to the meeting on the west side. Um, I went to meetings on the west side, and, and um, on that side of town, there's a lot of different um, different variations of the disease: uh, anorexia, bulimia, exercise bulimia. That stuff sounded great to me. I, you know, I was a hundred pounder, three hundred pound man, like these beautiful women talking about exercise. Like this is where I'm trying to be. Um, but the point of all of that was, and thank God for the anorexics and bulimics. It's all it's all really the same stuff underneath, and. Thank God for those, for those, um, for my fellows that have that form of disease. Not those, my fellows that have that form of the disease, because um, those were the groups of people that really loved on me in this program until I learned how to love myself and, and help me understand that it was really all the same stuff and helped me take people off pedestals and this imaginary stuff that I thought. Um, but 
the point is I sat around focusing on the differences for a while and, and, and saying there wasn't, you guys weren't black enough, you weren't fat enough, you weren't uh, whatever enough, you know. And um, I remember you guys told me, I had done the step, I had, was in the steps in a different program, so I knew that the solution was to work the steps. And in order to work the steps, I needed a sponsor. So I started looking for a sponsor, and I was getting sour. People kept directing me to this one guy who I didn't really connect with that well, but I was like, all right, well, everybody keeps pointing me to this guy. And so I went and found what meeting he was at. I went and asked him, and he was, it was like the wrong day. It was like the wrong day of his recovery, and he was an ass. He was very rude. He was rude to me. He blew me off. He said he wasn't available to talk at the moment, and then he was there at the church 20 minutes later. I was like, well, are you available or are you not available? Who knows? He's not on my resent. He didn't make it to my resentment list. But I finally got the courage to ask somebody, and, and it just I approached him on a bad day. Luckily, I didn't have any. This was the last house on the block, so I just kept coming back. Um, I just kept coming back. You guys told me to keep coming back, so I kept coming back. And um, I remember I used to go to the meetings and I would write looking for sponsor, but I would do that in an angry like in an angry way, looking for sponsor. There's none here for me, but I'm still looking. And I remember this little lady named Ann one day we were listening to somebody and I was like, Yeah, I can't find a sponsor and this guy came and he was just this guy came, Jeffrey uh, S, and he was just talking about serenity and peace and how he had been in this program for almost ten years and just like every all this like all the good stuff and Ann and I'm in the middle of the meeting was like <laughs> she nudged me and was like, there you go. And so I, I asked Jeffrey to be my sponsor, and uh, we met pretty quickly at uh, Jocelyn Park, um, uh, like maybe the following Sunday. And I met with him, and I told him, I'm not an anorexic, I'm not a bulimic, I'm not a 10,000-calorie binder, I'm not this, I'm not that. He lovingly said, well, Rashad, you're the size that you are for a reason. It's clear that your body's getting more food than it needs. And that day I went on a tear <laughs> and started at a bagel shop on Wilshire in Santa Monica and it ended at a Popeye's Chicken and Biscuits in South Central L.A. And I sat there outside that, that Popeye's Chicken and Biscuits at two or three in the morning with all the, the rats and the roaches and the pimps and the prostitutes and the crackheads. And, uh, you know, I sat there as one of the people of the night. But my my crack was those butter biscuits from Popeye's. And I sat there one after another in my car eating um, eating them. And um, and it became very clear to me, you know, that was my white light moment that, like, I was an alcoholic with food. You know, I, I conceded to my innermost self at that moment that I was an alcoholic with food. And clearly, for me to be out in the hood... I'm not really a hood guy, but I'm in the hood, you know, at three in the morning eating biscuits. You know, something was off. So I, uh, I went home, I uh, fell asleep, and, um, and um, you know, I woke up the next day and something was lifted. I don't really know how, um, I don't really know what happened or what clicked. The only thing I did was, um, thank you, the only thing I did was I really, I just kept coming back. I took some direction. I, I got a sponsor. I got really honest with a sponsor. Uh, he shined the light on some truth. I went on a tear. I went to the, I went in the lion's mouth of the disease and, and, um, and, and had a moment and it was lifted. And, um, I used to say, like, I don't know how it works, but actually you guys taught me how it works. It's called how it works. <laughs> um, so I, I think, I think um, what really kept me abstinent and what kept me close and, and what kept me on the path is I just dove straight into the steps. 
I knew that that had worked, that kept me off drugs, and I knew that it would work. And, and, and that has been my saving grace. So if nothing else, um, if nothing else, as a reminder to myself, because I'm, I'm, I'm no oracle of OA. And I used to, I used to somebody would call me the, the, the freshman of the year 2015 or something like that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But uh, now I realize I'm just another OA on the bus, and um, I don't need to be singled out or special, and I don't have all the answers. Um, but I do know that one unifying truth is that the solution is in the steps. And um, so to get current today, um, yeah, I've been on this journey for about six years or so. Um, life is good, man. Life is, life is good, but I can, I can tell some of that self-will stuff. Um, has crept back in and and um and you know it shows up it shows up in my life it'll show up on my body um you know what i'm reminded is i have to like work this very 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 rigorously and i hate that like i want to rest on my laurels like i i'm a lazy oa um and um you know, I, when I have issues or problems that come up, like, I want to go away and fix them and then show back up and tell you and look amazing and tell you how I did it. You know, I don't want to go through the muck and the mire and uh, and the uncomfortable parts with you and, and in front of you. And um, so, you know, in the Zoom world, it actually makes it very easy. And so I... Um, I'm super. I'm super glad to be drawn out of the Zoom world and and uh, and asked to come speak at an in-person meeting because it's important to show up. And I'm just kind of getting out of that little phase of like, oh, I'm doing it Rashad's way. Why isn't it working? Why am I not happy? Oh, because it's like I need to rely on a power greater than myself, you know, to to really help me through this this everyday life. And uh, and so I'm like picked up the pen I just like started muscle memory you know picked up the pen picked up the book got into the work calling my sponsor more making sure I'm um, uh, very thorough and well I've always sent my food I've always been really transparent and, and honest about my food but um, just doing the work that, that's the, the the long and short of it is I felt uh, an uneasiness I felt that God-sized hole creeping back in and um, and and the solution for myself is to just to get back into the work, you know, and, and that's what I've been doing. And I can immediately feel some relief and and some more of those like promises starting to come back in. And and uh, life is in session. Life is in session. I um, over the last two years, I feel like all 2020 and 20, up to this point is all like a blur. It all seems like one big cluster F of a, of a year, you know? Um, um, so I, I, like, I'm not dwelling on the past, but which, which is the past, but I just feel like this is all one kind of thing. But in the last two years, um, I've gone through a breakup. I just quit my job, uh, last week. I have another job. <laughs> but, uh, I, I quit my job of six years and, um, the way that I was causing wreckage and fumbling around out of relationships and work situations and, and the way in, in relationships, the way I was like fumbling all that stuff and the way that I was able to exit this romantic relationship with dignity and respect and the way that I was like able to exit this work situation with dignity and respect and um, like they're like inviting me down to have some like celebration for me. Like these are not things that happened before program. And um what I want to what I want to wrap with is uh, I want to thank 
God for OA, and I want to thank OA for my understanding of God. And uh, I think I'm going to get the sign here. So I, uh, I was listening to the big book on the way. And um, I'm not a religious person. I, I came into this program as kind of like an atheist. And then I thought, then I realized I was an agnostic. Now I really don't care. I, you guys tell me to believe in a higher power that's a power that's greater than me. Sometimes that's a group. Sometimes it's the process of going through the steps. Sometimes it's going to the ocean and realizing that I can't stop the waves. Sometimes I revert back to my childhood Christianity. It honestly doesn't matter. It's just that I'm tapped into something bigger than myself. And um, the thing that stood out to me in the uh, listening, the reading that I was uh, doing this morning is, um, and was talking about in reference to the higher power, it melted that icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I lived and shivered for years. I stood in the sunlight at last. It was a matter of only being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. All right, that's it. Thanks for your This is the time for questions only. Uh, there's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are the opinions of the leader are my own and not Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself. Please remember if you are asking a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay. Hey. Thank you for your honesty and your your sharing your journey and I remember when I was new and you were new it was at the cottage and you had a service position can you talk about you've done a lot of service how has that helped you yeah the question is um um service how, how have I done service and how has it helped me uh, thanks for the question there's a lot of my story like, you can't pack it all in, into that little share but um, service is how I get out of self um, I was told very early on that I, I don't have to have a lot of time to be of service um, you know there's no abstinence requirement to, to show up at a meeting there's no abstinence requirement to um, to be a greeter um, and so, um, luckily, by the time I had got to OA, I, I really understood the concept of, of service, and and although that we're we're told to work our steps in order, <laughs> and that's important, um, that certain things I like meditation and prayer and being of service, I could practice from day one, and um, that just always stuck with me. The permission somebody gave me permission to to engage in those behaviors early on, and. and um, yeah, service has taken me all over the world um, and in multiple fellowships and um, in this program I was a member of the board which I never thought I would be and, and maybe will never be a member of the, a member of the board again <laughs> I did my two year term and was like I'm done alright um, no but it was good um, I would say um Doing service at that level helped me understood the bigger picture. You know, not that the intergroup is like a governing body, but just the importance of the LA intergroup and um, and how important the traditions are. And uh, there's a lot of smart, recovered people that have a lot of grand ideas. And um, 
it's important. Uh, my, <laughs> when I think about service, I think how important it is, the traditions, how, how the, those are important, how we work with others. Um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm in self-will and, or self-absorption, the quickest thing to do to get out of it is to pick up, some, pick up the phone and call somebody else, call another compulsive overeater. And, and what it actually says in the text, and uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, is that it's a, it's a requirement in order to stay healthy and recovered in this program. If I don't, if I don't give it away, then I lose it. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your leading everything that you've done. Uh, really identified with a lot of it. Uh, you mentioned um, family, and they have their own struggles. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about expectations with hoping that they'd be better and letting go of those expectations? Yeah. Even when they're still doing their <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the question is uh, dealing with family uh, as you recover and, and uh, letting go of ex- having expectations, letting go of expectations. My family, thank you for that, for the question. My family is so messy that it's like, man, <laughs> it's like, it would take a Herculean, <laughs> it would take a Herculean effort. Um, um, but I used to like, you know, I wanted to rescue my family from the hood and, 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 and all that. I don't know. It's something, I don't know. The, being right sized in this program really helped me out. I remember, uh, you know, I, I thought my mom would be more supportive of my of my efforts in this program. My mom struggled with weight. She's had uh, uh, weight loss surgery. Um, she, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know this as a kid, but she was also bulimic. Um, so the way she explained it made it seem like it was like a medical thing. Um, but, um, yeah, I just remember I had something like... I don't remember. I, I, I had went to her and explained. I was trying to get some validation about my OA recovery journey from her. And she said, do you see any black men in that program? And she said, Cause no, because black men just go work out. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I went and told my sponsor. And my sponsor goes, well, you don't go to the hardware store looking for milk. <laughs> Um, and then I remember my brother, it was so weird, as I was going down on the scale, my brother was going up on the scale, and he had just had so many opinions about what I was supposed to be doing, and if I didn't get in the gym, I was going to, you know, I lost like 80 pounds in this program without going and doing any crazy exercise, I used to walk. Um, it's amazing what putting down sugar can do. <laughs> um, but I mean, he just had so many opinions and stuff like that. And then he started uh, having a lot of opinions about God and how, um, how, I, how I should be, how I should carry on. I, I don't know how I should um, embrace a higher power. And, and, he, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm working a spiritual program. You know, I have, I, have a, uh, I have a concept of God that works for me. He goes, well, what's the name of your God? And I remember replying, God. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, one of the one of the biggest things um, I didn't really talk about my work in each individual step, but one of the biggest things was um, my my dad's story. Um, the story of my dad was basically he was an LAPD turned into a share, uh, uh, detective turned into a narcotics detective. Something happened, whether it was recreational or uh, on the job, but um, they were smoking weed and uh, somebody put crack cocaine on the weed. Um, so sort of like that movie Training Day. It's actually that one. That story actually hits a little bit too close to home. 
Um, but my dad, within an instant, became one of these proverbial crackheads. Um, and so um, I always felt like my dad owed me some sort of explanation or like just to sit down like a man to man. Like I never even asked for it, but I felt like he owed it to me. Like at some point he's going to come, you know, talk to me about what happened. You know, 10 year, 10 years came, 20 years came, 30 years came. That conversation never happened. But, um, you know, so none, needless to say, my dad showed up on my fourth step. And uh, <laughs> I remember uh, talking to my sponsor about it, and he said, well, um, what if whatever happened between your mother and your father before you were born it was none of your business? <laughs> and what if your part is holding on to it for 20, 30 years? <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Um, so if I can let go of my personal, you know, sad black American dad story, like, I just let go a lot. And... Um, you know, whatever expectations I had, like, just melted away. And, and um, you know, some stuff comes up, you know. Like, uh, recently my mom decided that she wanted to take on a puppy and she wanted to buy everybody puppies. And somehow I ended up with a puppy. And uh, um, the boundaries, man, just, the, you know, boundaries. I had to let her know. I'm like, hey, I can't take care of this puppy. And I'm working and I'm starting a new job. And... And uh, boundaries, and, and I keep my expectations low and, and uh, in check, I say, in, re- in reality. I'm not a people pleaser, so like, I'll, I'll call somebody out if, for right or wrong, whether if they overstep. Um, but I've been told that like, expectations lead to resentments, and, and I know that I don't have enough uh, space for resentments. I know where that leads, so um, I hope that answers the question. I let people do themselves, man. They have their own higher power. And, and the, what my sponsor told me, the best thing I can do is to, is to recover. That's what my sponsor told me, and I, and I really live by that. Terrell. Um, it's kind of a two-pronged question. Um, whenever you get to feel like the king of the fatties, the best fatties, um, and when you start seeing the more differences and similarities, what do you do? Um, that doesn't really have. So the question was, is, is when I start to feel like the king and uh, of his, the king of his, he must be to repeat it directly. But I start like, but I start to feel like the king of the fatties in the rooms, uh, and and get really focused on the differences. Um, you know, how do I handle that? Uh, and I was getting, my initial gut reaction was going to say that that doesn't really happen to me anymore. But actually, what happens is that it's like judgment in a different way. And especially um, being around certain other people that have like long, like a lot of time in this program, there's like a judginess that comes up sometimes. And um, uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I just, I think it's natural, so I don't, I don't blame anybody for it. But I, I don't, I, I don't like the judginess. I don't like the, ju- I don't like the judginess that sometimes I how I get and I don't like the judginess that I hear and, and so um, I just try to remember like the traditions and like what like what the only requirement is a desire to stop eating compulsively and um, and for me I think what helps is to be really rooted in the text you know because you hear a lot of different um, things and a lot of different things work for a lot of different people um, and, and for me, I, I like to make sure that I'm like grounded in, in the actual, in the literature. I've even heard judginess about the books. <laughs> I have a longtime fellow that I really respect. 
tell me that the OA 12 and 12 was trash. <laughs> and uh, that, like, baffled me. Um, and people have their opinions. Um, I have my opinions, too. Um, I just don't like the judginess, and I, and I try to make sure that, um, that I follow the guidance of my responser, which was the best thing I can do is to just recover myself. Just, just recover myself. Yeah. Thank you. Um, when you think you're all that, how do you keep your ego in check? <laughs> when I think I'm all that, how do I keep my ego in check? That's like a piggyback on that question. Yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Mm, uh, I don't. Awesome. Five minutes. Okay. Um, when I when I get my ego out of check, I'm just trying to think the last time it happened. Um, I feel like that maybe shows up in the workplace more. I, I'll tell you what real. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'll tell you what happens to me m- most often is is um, I've gotten some cash and prizes from this program, and um, not literally for, if you're new. <laughs> I have not cashed out <laughs> on the way. <laughs> so if you're new, what that means is I've got some some external property and prestige type things um, that are not necessarily promised in the in the text. But we talk about getting these you know these cash and prizes type things. And uh, man, I tell you, there's nothing there's nothing like I, <laughs> there's nothing like a, a being a little egocentric when I got like a lot of money in my bank account and. Um, you know what happens is I, I I will act out sometimes I will act out I I, uh, I will buy a new gadget I've been walking around with like two phones this is I, I keep getting confused I think this one is mine I've been walking around with two phones and most of this uh, I went somewhere yesterday I had like five connected devices on my person I was like this is ridiculous I need to simplify um, and so I think that's where it like manifests the most um, sometimes it probably comes up in work you know sometimes where it's like I think I'm running the show I'm the director the actor and um, you know sometimes I get humbled and I have to remember that like it's not the Rashad show um, but I will say that if I'm in the work if I'm in the work and if I'm if I'm communicating with my sponsor uh, regularly and I'm um, working my t- if I'm writing a 10 step um, those occurrences of me being like an ego, an egomaniac with an inferiority complex, like those instances happen less and less and less. So it's, um, it's a good question. I don't, it'd be interesting to ask my significant other <laughs> how many times she thought I, my ego popped out and out of place, but hopefully that answers the question. Yes. Thank you. Um, do you- Coming from a place where you didn't have, you were in, you know, in the hood as you describe it, etc. Do you ever see the "I deserve it" play out in your in your addictions? Right, like I deserve it. Like I came from here, and if so, what do you use to sort of assuage what are those, you know, expected rewards? That's a perfect one of those rewards. That's a long one. Uh, that's a long question to repeat. Uh, but how do? I guess coming from a, a place of depravity and scarcity, um, how does that manifest in terms of I deserve it today? Um, that does not. I can say that with confidence uh, that that does not pop up for me, especially with the food stuff. Um, 
that doesn't pop up as much. When you asked the question initially, I originally thought of something uh, older and how that would manifest, but I can't think of it now. But um, now I don't really walk around uh, feeling like I'm old or that I deserve anything uh, significant. I think that's a result of having a spiritual awakening of going through the 12 steps. I can say that pretty, pretty comfortably and confidently. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, what I would say is, is, is that sometimes that feeling of scarcity comes back in that place. And what I, what I realized, what you guys have taught me is that underneath that is self-centered fear and insecurity, fear, doubt, and insecurity. And um, the solution for that is to work a 10th step and to turn that over to my sponsor. So hopefully that answers the question. Yes. Did you have an experience of wanting to reach this goal weight? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm projecting, of course. But just like, <laughs> like what, what's your experience with it when I get to that or I expect to get to that? Yeah, did I have an um, experience of, of um, uh, uh, having a goal weight in mind? And um, how, what's my experience with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was pissed off when I lost, uh, when I lost a bunch of weight. I was like 20 pounds shy from uh, being a, a true 100-pounder or whatever that means. Um, my definition of a 100-pounder is, is um, um, knowing the burden of carrying 100 pounds, you know, having the burden of needing to lose 100 pounds or more. Um, but, yeah, I remember when I, like, turned, uh, when I had my first birthday, I was, like, disappointed. I was like, man, I should just 20 more pounds. You know, I've been trying to lose that extra 20 pounds for a long time. Um, I think at the root of it is I'm either I'm either controlling my body and my food or I'm I'm tapped into a power greater than myself. And if I'm tapped into a power greater than myself then I don't get to control exactly what the number on the scale looks like for me, what's really important in terms of how I'm defining a healthy body weight is is do I have those scares? Do I have those medical scares? that I came in. That's what drove me into the program, and I have to remember that. I did want the vanity, though, too. You know, I, now I don't want to look like The Rock. I really kind of want to look like Michael B. Jordan. I don't know if you know who that is. Black man in Creed. Um, but um, for me, it's, it's, it's about not killing myself with food, and I have to let my body do its thing and, and get away from the vanity. But yeah, it definitely pops up. I'm not immune to that, you know? I'm not immune to that. Um, and if I let it, if I let it run wild, then I will like not show up, you know, I will not show up in this program because I want to look and, and feel a certain way, but it's important for me to show up as I am so that somebody else hears it and maybe is going through the same thing and we can be on this road trudging together, you know? Um, Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's it. <laughs>